When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. <laughs> Once upon a time, and welcome to this Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. The stories in this episode feature some unkind progenitors and a rather creepy captor, so those responsible for more tender ears might want to listen to this episode before sharing it. If you're looking for gentler stories this week, I would suggest episode 23, Meanwhile, Back in the Woods. I love the question, what is the closest star to the Earth? The answer, the sun. I felt today was a little different. Stepping out to do some gardening, I glanced up at the clouds and saw stars twinkling in the blue sky. I could see the stars of the Big Dipper curved and the cup pointing toward the North Star standing bright in the blue. How very odd. The stories for this episode have a lovelorn quality to them. The first is told by Milbury Birch, an award-winning, internationally known performer and recording artist, who is telling a story by internationally and well-known writer Jane Yolen. This is The Lady and the Mermaid. Once in a house overlooking the cold northern sea, a child was born. She was so plain that her father, a sea captain, remarked on it. She shall be a burden. She shall be on our hands forever. And then, without another word or another glance at the child, he turned and was gone to sail away on his great ship. His wife, who had hoped to please him, was so hurt by his complaint that eventually she died of it. Between one voyage and the next, she was gone. When he came home and found that she was dead, he was so enraged that he never spoke of her again, and in this way he pretended that her loss meant nothing. But the child lived and grew as if to spite her father. She did not look like her dead mother, but rather had her father's face set round with mouse-brown curls, and if her face was plain, her heart was not. She loved her father and was not loved in return. Each time they met, he remarked upon her look, saying, God must have wanted me cursed to have given me such a child. No one will have her. She shall never be wed. She shall be with me forever. And so he called her born, because she was his burden. Born grew to be a lady, and only once gave a sign of this hurt, saying, Father, what can I do to heal this wound between us? He looked away from her, for he could not bear to see his own face mocked in hers, and then he said, There is nothing between us. But if there were, I would say, salt for such wounds. Salt, she said, surprised, for she knew the sting of it. A sailor's balm, the salt of tears, or the salt of sweat, or the final salt of the sea. Then he turned from her, and was gone next day to the farthest port he knew of, 
and in this way he cleansed his heart. After that, Bourne never again spoke of her hurt, but carried it and sighed like a dagger. Since tears were no salve, she went to work. She baked bread for the poor, nursed the sick, and held the hands of the sea widows. But always, late in the evening, she walked upon the shore, watching for some glimpse of her father's sail. Only, less and less often did he return home. One night, she was so tired from her work that she felt faint, and so she sat upon a rock at the edge of the strand. She spread her skirts about her, and in the dusk they looked like waves. How long she sat she did not know, but a strange pale moon came up, and with it the little creatures of the deep. And the last to come was a merman. He rose out of the water, sea foam crowning his green-black hair, his hands raised above him, and there were webs in between his fingers. In the moonlight he seemed to stand upon his tail, and then, with a flick of it, he was gone. And he thought no one had remarked his dive. But Bourne had seen him, and seeing him, she loved him, though she loved the fish part more for that was all she dared. Now there was no one with whom she could share these feelings, for no one cared. So she forsook her work, and went to walk upon the strand day and night in hopes of another glimpse of him. And strange to say, she never once again looked for her father's sail. That is why he returned home one day without her knowing it. He watched her through slotted eyes, as she paced back and forth on the shore, and at last he said, Be done with it. Whatever ails you now, give it over. For even he could see this wound. Bourne turned to him, grateful for even this attention, and her eyes were like small seas. Yes, you're right, father. I must be done with it. The captain turned and left her then, for his food was growing cold. But Bourne went out to the water's edge and called, Come up! Come up and be my love! There was no answer, except the shrieking of the seabirds. And so she took a stick and wrote, Come up and be my love upon the sand. Then as she watched, the tide crept in and washed her words away, one by one by one, so that there was nothing left for her to do except sit upon the rock and weep, and each tear was an ocean. But her words were not lost. They traveled down, 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 till they came to the merman on his coral bed, and when he heard, he came It took him all the day to swim up from the depths and half the night to find the particular strand she was on. But then there he was, cresting the wave. The moon shone down on the two, she a grave shadow, and he all motion and light. Bourne reached out her hand, and he took it. It was the first 
touch she could remember. And with one great pull between them, he was up upon the rock beside her. Then she looked in wonder at his hands with the webs between the fingers. And he laughed to see her so small and thin and webless. There they sat all night. And Born loved the man as well as the fish, for in the silence all was one. And then, before the sun could pop over the rim of the world, she turned to him and said, Can you love me? But the merman had no tongue with which to speak above the waves. He could only speak beneath them with the soft murmuration of his hands. And so he stared into her eyes and pointed to the sea. And then he turned and dove and was gone. Born stood up, her skirts heavy with the salt of the sea and her tears. She looked back once to her father's house. And then she dove after him. Underneath the water, the sea put bubble jewels in her hair and spread her skirts out behind her like a scallop shell. Tiny multicolored fish swam in and out between her fingers. The water cast her face in silver, and all the sea was reflected in her eyes. For the first time in her life, she was beautiful. And for the last. Today's fairy tale sponsor is BB Wolf Demolitions. This family run company has been providing quality construction and demolition services since pigs and wolves could talk. They pride themselves on versatility and customer service for a wide demographic of the fairy tale community with experience and equipment to manage any project from straw huts to glass mountains. BB Wolf Demolitions. Why huff and puff when we can do it for you? Did you know that all the patrons of the podcast have some of the longest life expectancy in the history of humans? You can too, for as little as $4 a month. A big thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. If you want to hear me make up facts about you, then maybe you should become a supporter too. It would be pretty cool. After staring... At the twinkling in the blue for a bit, I went in and turned on the radio. I listened to the newscasters babble, and it seemed like this was a strange phenomenon that no one had an explanation for. I went back out and looked up again. As I stood, I noticed something in the apple tree. A little man with brown pants and a green shirt. A sweet little beard and eyes twinkling at the stars in the sky. He saw me looking at him and nodded. I looked back. Hey, I called. Is this your doing? He put a finger to one side of his nose and winked. What an odd summer. The second story is by another new voice to the podcast. Jeff Gear is a storyteller and puppeteer from Honolulu, Hawaii. He often performs with musicians who add another dimension to his work. This is him telling Old Rink Rank with Les Adams on keyboards, Sandra Lee Akaka on percussion, and Alana Sini on didgeridoo. Old Rink Rank. 
Once upon a time, there was a very beautiful girl. She was a princess, of course. She was in the story. Her dad, of course, was the king. Well, she got older and she got prettier. And young boys noticed the young girl and thought, ooh la la. Well, the king didn't like that. He said, no, boy has got to be important. He's got to be somebody. He's got to be special. So he took the princess, put her in a little house on top of a glass mountain and said, anybody that wants to be the next king will have to go up the glass mountain and be with my daughter. Now I got to tell you this. <laughs> if you go up the mountain and you should slip, the mountain will open up and swallow you whole. Well, a lot of guys thought she was cute, but, you know, for a mountain swallowing you, mm, walking up glass, mm, no. Oh, she said, I'm standing up here. It's boring. Daddy had a secret entrance. Daddy, I'm so bored up here. Come on, come on, come on. I like have a special guy. I got a special guy. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Never mind. So dad went away and her special friend was down there and he looked up and said, oh, I'd love to, but she said, I got the special way. Come on. Go down there, under the bush, you see the little step? I'll come down and you come up. I'll come down and you come up. She went down. He came up. She went down. He came up. She reached out her hand. He took it. He was shaking. She said, come closer. And she leaned. And then the mountain opened up. There was a slip. And it swallowed. In the morning, King woke up, opened his blinds, looked out on the mountain and saw a young man on the middle of the glass mountain shaking, going, ah! Whoa! Where's the princess? Ah! Mountain opened up, swallowed her up! Ah! Said the king. Ah! Said the boy. Out they ran. All the people began to hammer upon the mountain. They went, ah! They went, ah! Upon the mountain. Didn't do a bit. Didn't even shard it off. Not even a little smidgen. Not even a crevice of a crack. Meanwhile, inside the mountain, the princess, she fell down, fell tingly doobie downy. Big dress broke the fall. Till she hit the bottom. Well, that wasn't very nice. She got up. She looked around. It was kind of dark and dingy. It was a big, deep hole. But on one wall, there was a house. Oh, she said. <laughs> That's good. She walked over to the door. She knocked upon the door. She went. The door began to open. It was squeaking open. There was the tip of a little nose peeking out, and it broke in three directions by the time it led into a face. The skin was red. The eyes swam in gravy, the hair was in tufts, the teeth were green, and the chin hung down with drool and pus. Who are you? She said, I'm the princess, I just fell down the hole. Could you please help me? I'm the princess, I'd like some help. I'd like to go back above. I'm old, rink, rank. Do you know how to make spaghetti? Spaghetti? I'm a princess. I don't do that kind of stuff. No, I don't make spaghetti. I'm a princess. I got a crown on. Look, my hands haven't worked a bit. I got on the dress. I want to go up. So let's get to it. I've got a question for you. Do you do floors? Thank you.
floors. Obviously, when you were a little man, or whatever you are, nobody read you stories. The fairy tales are clear. I'm the princess. I need help. You help me and get a reward. Now, come on. I've got another question for you. Do you make beds? You are impossible. Princess, little man, get me out of here. That's it. Now, come on. Rink, rank. You will make my bed. You will clean the floors, and you will make me spaghetti. Or I'll cut off your head. The princess liked her head right where it was And she thought to herself Well, maybe I could make spaghetti And I've seen people clean the floors And it doesn't look that hard to do the bed So day in and day out She became the maid for old rink rank Day in and day out Day in and day out Day in and day out She made the floors She cleaned the bed She made spaghetti for the big gross guy And when he came home, down the ladder he went I'm home Did I say ladder? I'm home What does that mean? I'm home from spaghetti and I love to eat it He went to the table, she served it up Didn't even wait for that bowl Nah, reached in with his hands and pulled it out with two fists (laughs) Spaghetti noodles hanging off of his ears He had it up his nostrils, he was spitting it out (laughs) I love it Stagger off to bed And he'd lay down And he'd fart And he didn't even read the newspaper Well This went on Day in and day out Day in and day out Day in and day out Until one day She said Forget it He doesn't talk to me He never reads anything He doesn't have an opinion He just has Appetite and gas. I don't know why I serve this guy. I've watched him every day get up. He goes out the door. He shuts the door. He goes over to the edge of that big, big pit. He pulls out of his pocket a little ladder, and he says to it something, and it grows real big. And then it follows him back up, and a couple of hours later, he comes back. He has a big sack. Now, I know those people up there are missing shoes, missing homework, can't find the car keys. <laughs> It's old rink rank. He steals all that stuff, brings it down the stairs, dumps it out outside the door, never cleans up, does his nose inside of women's shoes, and he comes into the house and he eats like a pig. That's it. No more. I'm done. Finito. She locked all the windows on the first floor, latched the door, went up the little stairs to the little sleeping balcony where there was one window left. She opened it up, put a stick in it, tied a little string around the stick, went down the stairs and sat in the rocking chair, waiting, rocking, smiling. Ah, The ladder came down. Down came Rink Rank with his bag full of goodies. He spoke to the ladder. It got real small. He put it in his pocket. He dumped out the stuff. He sniffed it up. And he went to the door and he began to pull on the knob and it stopped and... The door isn't open. Bah! What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you in there? A princess? Are you in there? I'm here, Rank Rank. Open this door right now. 
I'm not opening this door today, tomorrow, or any other day until you tell me how to make that ladder get little and big, because I want to get out of here. You can't get out of here, are you mad? His eyes started to poke out of his head. His ears were starting to twitch on the ends of it. His little chin was lagging back and forth. His teeth were starting to salivate all around. He was like a slurpy big dog going, Princess, I'm getting angry. Did you make the floors? I'm not making floors. I'm not making floors again today, tomorrow, ever again, until you tell me how to get that ladder big, small, and tall. I'm not making beds no more. No, no. Done with it. Tell me how to make that ladder get little and big. Come on. Did you make me spaghetti? No spaghetti? No. He went around. He tried to get in until finally he saw that one window with a stick in it. He put the ladder top to it. He went up to the window. He crawled up rung upon rung upon rung till he got to the top of the ladder. Looked in the window said, Princess, I am going to... But just then she pulled the string. The stick came out of the window. The window came right down upon his head. I can't breathe. I can't... I'm not going to let you out of there till you tell me how to make that ladder get small and tall. He kicked, he fussed, he fumed, he cussed. He swore at the moon and the stars and the sun. But nothing could help him, though. (laughs) Nothing at all until finally, out of wind, nearly exhausted. He said, okay, 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 I'll tell you. She went up the ladder, he said, to make it grow small, you say. Ladder, ladder, grow real small. And to make it get tall, you say, ladder, ladder, get real tall. So, she went down from the ladder, said, ladder, get small. It got little. He just left hanging in the middle of the air. Hey, 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 wait, 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 wait for me. No way. Put the ladder against the wall. Said, ladder, ladder, get real tall. It grew up. Went up the rungs. To the top, burst out from the bushes. There was the handsome man. She turned to him, he turned to her. It was this long, slow motion run. Then the father stepped in the middle of it and said, Welcome back, daughter. She said, Uh, uh, hi, Dad. Hey, get all your soldiers. Let's go down and get all that stuff that's been... All those shoes, those one shoes, and the car keys. My car keys! Down they went. They got all the stuff, all the loot. They put it in bags. They were going up. Now, according to the traditional ending, the princess puts the ladder back over by the wall, goes over with her father's sword, father's sword, and cuts off his head. But a third grade girl that I met said she didn't like that ending. I said, well, what should she do? Well... They go back up, and the good boy and the princess are married, and then they kiss, and the birds fly up. And when they do, it's so beautiful that the glass mountain melts, and it makes a giant lake. It's called Glass Lake. And I think that's a pretty good ending to the story of Old Rink Rank. If you've got one in your family, you might want to tell them this story.
Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Milbury Birch and Jeff Gear on the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. You can find me and the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor are True Thomas the Storyteller and Corey Griffith. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was inspired by a story seed from Laura Packer. You can find her lovely story and writing prompts by looking her up on social media. While you're there, check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors. Let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. If you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast for as little as $4 a month, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com and hear me read your name and thank your beautiful face for the world to hear. This week, the patrons get to hear another story by Mailberry Birch, the cat wife. It's very clever. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries. Perhaps you'd be willing to go write a review on iTunes, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. Head over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies. And if you tune in, you will hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket... And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music.